Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry, and this is Stuff You Should Know. There's Jerry creepily in the background. <laughs> right. <laughs> she just has stopped um, working and is staring at us right now. That's right, which is not at all funny. No, it's not. It's like we can kid around about this stuff, but nothing about it is funny. No, it's really like... But we just try to make light of things that are uncomfortable. That's what we do. Yeah, we did one on comas <laughs> once, remember? That's right. That so, one was hysterical, quite frankly. <laughs> it was a laugh, right? It was like Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley coming out from Platoon on, in Naked Gun, you remember? Oh, yeah. Just laughing. All right. I watched Naked Gun two and a half the other day. Oh, yeah? So hold up. Holds up and then some. Yeah. Especially once you've met the director personally. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. That's right, man. We met him. Yep. A thousand years ago. Maybe a, maybe 5,000 years ago. It was a <laughs> while. So, Chuck, we have a good 150 pages on stalking here. It's a lot. Um, and you say, like, no, it's not funny. Absolutely, it's not funny. No. And it's really tough to put yourself in the situation of a person who's being stalked. Yeah. But there are there's a lot of quotes from people who um, compare it to what's well, a form of abuse. Mm-hmm. It might not be physical, although it, fr- it frequently can turn into something physical or violent. Yeah, there's a lot of blurred lines here. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if it never gets physical at all, yeah. it is a form of abuse. It's a form of psychological abuse, oh, protracted yeah. torment, mm-hmm. wherein you, the victim, feel like your life has been infected. Mm-hmm. It affects every part of your life, and you're constantly you feel like you're constantly being watched. Yeah. And and as one victim put it, like, not in any sort of flattering way. Yeah, I had the most minimal form of stalking happen to me in college. And I cannot imagine what, like, a <clears throat> serious stalking situation might feel like mm-hmm. considering how that made me feel. Really? Yeah. Wow. And not, you know, very minimal Trust me, I'm not saying like I know how it feels, man. But <laughs> right. like you know, a a, 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 girl, a girl that I was dating in college, right, and didn't date anymore, couldn't get enough Chuck. <laughs> I mean, a few times, like banging on my bedroom window in the middle of the night, kind of thing. Wow, like come out here and talk to me, right? That kind of thing. Well, I mean, that <laughs> is that is stalking, especially yeah. if it happens repeatedly. If especially if she had like escalated over time. Yeah, this didn't really escalate, and it was only a couple of times. I think then that would probably qualify as what's called harassment. Yeah, harassment. But I will say this. I moved to New Jersey uh, just a few months after that because that was the end of college, and that's what I did. Um, And I didn't go because of that. But it was definitely like, well, there's also the benefit of moving to New Jersey. And one week into being in New Jersey, we lived out in the woods. I had a dream. Uh, that a bear came out of the woods uh-huh. and pounded on my windows and like pounded on my door until it fell down and the bear came in. It was one of those where I woke up and was like, well, I know what that means. <laughs> was the bear like, come out and talk to me? Yeah, the Blair, uh, the bear, her name is not Blair, by the way. That wasn't a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the bear definitely like uh, resembled her in some way. It, well, her name wasn't Blair, but she no. looked exactly like Blair from Facts of Life. <laughs> Oh, I wish. Yeah. I wouldn't have broken up with her. She was a little. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to be fair, also, this was, uh, I was young and immature and probably wasn't the best breaker upper 
Oh, I not see. to say I deserved it, but well, I th- I really think that that's a really that's a good point. You've made like seventeen good points in there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So number one, men get stalked too. Sure, it happens. Um, and depending on where you live, it can happen pretty close to um in equal frequency as women being stalked. Although I don't think anywhere it's equal. I think almost across the board, if not totally across the board, women are stalked more frequently than men are. Right. But men can be stalked pretty much evenly by women and other men. Correct. Um, not just in the uh, the realm of like ex-lovers, whether you're hetero or straight, mm-hmm. but also like uh, you might be stalked. And if you're a woman, you might be stalked by another woman too, someone who's jealous sure. or angry or resentful of yeah. you, or maybe a rival or something like, like single, that. Single white female. Right, exactly. Somebody who's just kind of become obsessed with you. Yeah. So that was one thing. Men can be stalked, mm-hmm. and that's very important. But um, but also, you said like that you weren't the best breaker upper, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of perceptions, like misconceptions and misperceptions about what stalking is, what the victims of stalking do or don't deserve, what they did or didn't do wrong, and from everything that's kind of emerging over study of this for the last few decades. If you're a stalking victim, you basically did nothing wrong, but everybody assumes you did something wrong. Like you didn't break up with them properly, or, or you're you still sending on. out me- yeah mixed yeah. signals, or yeah maybe you flirted, or you sure. were too nice, or whatever. Um, or maybe you're making a big deal out of all this when really it's not. The guy just likes you, or something. Yeah, like, maybe you're just seeking attention. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? Maybe you got it in your head from watching Sally Jesse Raphael or yeah. something like We're that. We're not saying these things are true, by the way. No, this is like a lot of the that. misconceptions yeah. that that people who are victims of stalking run into, even from law enforcement. Luckily, it's changed dramatically. And the uh, the laws and law enforcement are taking it far more seriously than they did before. But it's definitely still not automatically like, oh, you're being stalked? Great. Let me, here's how we help you. Well, and especially I think of a certain age group, like your grandparents may think it's romantic. There's this great Hampton Yount um, joke. Yeah. Remember him? He was at our, okay. So Hampton Yount was saying, um, he was like, our grandparents' generation were nuts. It was like my granddad said, you know, for 380 days in a row, yeah. I went to your grandmother's <laughs> work and I asked her to marry me. And finally on day 380, know, she said yes. It's funny. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, stalking is a, and we'll go ahead and tell you straight up, it's it's a new term that's only been around for a few decades. But it's an old behavior. It's an old behavior, of course. It's, yes. It's just we're finally waking up to the Say, impact that it has right. on people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, granddad. So, <laughs> so um, let's talk about kind of the history of the understanding of stalking. It was actually not until the late 80s that the world really started to kind of wake up to this whole thing after a couple of high-profile killings. Uh, yeah, celebrity, obviously, if you know, if you want to get something, sadly, in the news, if you want to get something in the news, it's having a celebrity undergo that or be a victim to that is the best way. Right, exactly. Uh, and that did happen— a few times. Um, well, first of all, there have been a lot of movies over the years. Like, a lot. And Robert De Niro was in a lot of them. Yeah. Cape as, Fear, the as fan. Victim, victim and... Uh, Taxi Driver? No, wait. And, and the fan... He was he was also a stalker. Oh, he was the stalker in there. I think it was Wesley Snipes was yeah. like the baseball player he was a fan of. I was thinking, was he the baseball player? But that was <laughs> bang the drum slowly. Where oh, he yeah? Played. He was a baseball player in that? Yeah, he played catcher Thurman Munson of the Yankees who died. Oh, I young, see. Um, but yeah, taxi driver stalker. Yeah, Cape Fear stalker. Right. And what was the other the one? Thing. The fan. Not a very good movie. No, 
But I remember the other two were good. I remember reading he hung out with knife salesmen <laughs> to understand his character better. Uh, Fatal Attraction, of course. Of course. Um, the Crush, single white female, one hour photo. Do you see that, Robin Williams? Yeah, but I forgot all about it. What was it? That about? was sort of family obsessed. Like uh, they have the perfect family. I uh-huh. want to be that husband. Um, so what did he do? Well, I'm not going to ruin it. Was he like scary Robin Williams in it? Yeah, he was a photo processor, like a photo booth guy. Right. And so he would look yeah, at these pictures super, of the family. and super unnerving in that. In that. Yeah, it's always portrayed the same way. Um, the King of Comedy, classic. These are just a few of my favorites. Was it De Niro in that? He was. Was and he the stalker? He was or the, the stalker. That's what I'm saying. I wow, think that's he, four. I think he likes these roles. Boy, I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, and then there was one I want to shout out from a few years ago called The Gift. It was really good. Jason Bateman. Oh, I didn't see that one. It's good. And I uh, saw that it was good. as well. I thought you were talking about the one with, that Billy Bob Thornton directed with Kate Blanchett as a psychic. In oh, South. no. That was good, too, though. It was. He was just, uh, I don't think he directed that, though. Yes, he did. Did he? I thought that was Sam Raimi. No? I'm almost positive. Did he write it, then? No, I don't know. He did something for it. <laughs> well, it's interesting, though, to look at these movies. I like so many of them. And there are a lot of them, considering that stalking hasn't been around that long. Well, I also saw, like, there's also comedies, too. There's something about Mary stalking through yeah. and through. Oh, yeah. Say anything, standing outside with the boombox. Oh, uh, that's romantic. Stalk. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, Grandpa. Okay. Uh, I just wonder what this, it's interesting, though, the obsession with entertainment about stalking. Like, people are into these movies. Right. And dozens so and dozens of them. We knew it was creepy and weird. To stalk before we even called it stalking, though, is, is, is I mean, based on this this body of movies. Yeah, and I think it'll not actually a lot of these are post like 1989. Mm-hmm. But not all of them. But not all of them. You're right. Uh, the Grabster wrote this, though, and he points out Peter uh, Lawford from the Rat Pack um, was, he talked about it in his book. Mm hmm. Without there wasn't a name for it though that shows just how new it is because this was in 1990 and he said there are crazies who become so obsessed with celebrity <laughs> that their fantasies are lived as though they're a reality they can walk your streets follow you everywhere telephone you send you letters generally harass you mm-hmm. they can threaten you discuss obscene acts they're planning to perform on your body can do almost anything they wish but as long as they do not physically hurt you the police have limited power. Uh, and elaborate rules to follow. Yeah, because that's a Man. that's a confounding factor. It was and in it 1990 was for uh, years, was the you know you've got like First Amendment protection, you can say weird things and you can be in public places. I know, but after the death of well, first the, actually the first taste of stalking in real life that that America at least had was with an actress named Teresa Saldana who was in Raging Bull mm-hmm. with De Niro. Yeah, Pet played uh, Pesci's wife. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And um, she was uh, very publicly stabbed in front of her apartment, like I think ten times, very violently. Like yeah. the knife bent, even it mm-hmm. was really horrific. Fortunately, she survived, and she actually became a victim's advocate for stalkers for the rest of her life. But that was like kind of a big whoa, whoa, what, what was that? Like the guy, the guy was a drifter, had become obsessed with her. Yeah, he was uh, mentally ill, and we'll talk. A lot about mental illness throughout uh, this this show, but um, he eventually uh, was extradited to the UK on another murder charge 
uh, and they found him not guilty, I, I guess, whatever they call mm-hmm. reasons of insanity. It has different wording over there. Yeah. But he was committed and died in a hospital in 2004. But she went on to, you know, I think she made a TV movie about it. Yes. It was scary stuff. Yeah, it was. But Rebecca Schaefer was the one seven years later that really hit the news. Yeah. My sister, Sam. Right. Uh, that that was, I mean, these are all equally horrifying and sad. Uh, but this, uh, she was stalked for three years by this man who... Um, Again, an obsessed fan. Yeah, who who did the same thing to other famous women. Like, she wasn't the only one, mm-hmm. but he is, uh, she's the one um, who he who killed. And Marsha Clark actually tried that case, little known fact. Oh, really? Yep. The and Marshall one, Clark. I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's still Part in prison, one? actually. Um, and he was shanked in prison like 10 years ago. Really? 11 times. Wow. And Did, survived. And he, oh, he survived. Yeah, so he's still in jail. So um, they they actually, the guy who stalked Rebecca Schaefer took a lot of his cues from the playbook of the guy who uh, stalked Teresa Saldana, actually. Yeah. Used things like um, something called pretexting, which is a really uh, a pretty common way that stalkers will get information about their victims is pretending they're somebody they're not Mm -hmm. and then get it get info from unsuspecting like family members or whatever um hiring a private detective to get info used to be a lot easier to do that way easier like you could go to the dmv and be like hey where does this person live right and they might tell you up until 1994 it wasn't your information wasn't federally protected at the DMV yeah Um, and then there was actually a website one of the early websites in I think the 90s um, helped you stalk people easily like uh, I I cannot remember the name of the site but they would basically socially engineer a Mm -hmm. chance meeting with whoever you wanted and they would give you all this information on them and teach you how to strike up a conversation and talk about all this stuff that you knew they already knew they liked Mm -hmm. and it was a website that was dedicated to helping stalking it almost sounds like a dating app (laughs) meets social media kind of right and then Letterman also uh, really shined a light on this with his stalker, who was a woman who used to break into his house pretty frequently. Yeah, that was a very sad case. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into where she fits in the modern definitions. But uh, she was afflicted with schizophrenia, and he was he was he often didn't press charges, and he was pretty right. like cool about it. He joked about it here and there on the show, I think. To yeah, she made his top ten lists a lot. Yeah, just to try and make light of it, I guess. But um, she went on to stalk an astronaut as well. Yeah, Story and, Musgrave. Yeah, and they both expressed um, just sort of a general condolence and sadness when she uh, took her own life. Yeah. Like, I think Letterman knew. Uh, and, you know, she would, they would wake up with her on her property. She stole his car one time. Like, mm-hmm. serious stuff. But as we'll learn later, she falls into a category that generally is not physically dangerous right. to her victim. Yeah. But still, like, it's just unnerving. So all these celebrities being stalked kind of shine a light on stalking in general, although not necessarily the most the correct light initially. But they definitely brought it uh, to everyone's attention, and that kind of brought it under the uh, jurisdiction of the law. The, the law got much more involved after that. And um, let's take a break and then we'll get into that. You want to? Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
all right, Chuck, so America said, wait a minute, Letterman's being stalked. Mm -hmm. Rebecca Schaefer's killed. Teresa Saldana went through this. Mm -hmm. Let's do something about this finally. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's tough to get good statistics because, uh, you know, it depends on what state you're in, what the definition of stalking is, whether or not a crime. And this is one of the big problems is the actual crimes committed. Like now stalking is a crime. Right. But before that, it was, it's like, you know, it's not necessarily crime, like you said, to be waiting for someone in a parking lot. Right. It's creepy. Yeah. But a law isn't broken. Or if laws are broken, they're little misdemeanors usually. Yeah, like trespassing. Yeah. So it, it was always a sort of legal gray area until, you know, like you said, the high profile incidents happened. Right. Um, and that's when the DOG, uh, DOG? <laughs> the D-O-double-G. That's when Snoop Dogg, <laughs> uh, the D-O-J, went, um, got serious, and they created a, a legal definition of uh, engaging in a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to fear for his or her safety yeah. or the safety of others or suffer substantial emotional distress. And that definition is really important because it says, cause a reasonable person to fear and while that's open to inter- interpretation, it's not a – it doesn't say, like, there has to be a literal vocalized threat to to count. Right. You know, like, they don't have to say, like, I'm going to get you and, and, you know, wear you for a raincoat. Right. Like, you can just feel that threat if you're a reasonable person. Yeah. Um, and that and that counts. Thank God, because that's – that really opens opens it up, you know? Right. Um, and it doesn't even have to be, the threat doesn't even have to be um, a physical threat either. It could be like, I'm going to make up lies about you on the internet, or I'm going to go tell your parents, um, you know, all the, all the like, stuff we did right. together. Like, we did drugs yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's all sorts of different ways you can threaten somebody beyond you like physical gardening. violence. I'm going <laughs> to trample your flower bed. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, ways you can threaten and intimidate somebody. And all of these things, each of these acts is considered harassment. I was looking up to try to figure out what is the distinction between harassment and stalking. And it's really tough to find a, an obvious distinction. Mm-hmm. But from what I could get, Harassment are the individual acts that people do when they're stalking, and stalking is a pattern of harassment yeah, that frequently escalates over time. Yeah, and it also obviously uh, blurs lines with domestic violence. Like it is, yeah. And I think you can you can even say it is a form of domestic violence. Yeah, definitely. Um, Depending on unless the type, you don't, yeah, know the person at all, right? And then it doesn't count. Yeah, there's a lot of categories of stalking. We'll get into them in a second. But um, domestic violence is definitely one of the uh, cradles that stalking is born from. Yeah, and one of the really sad things about it is there's uh, a lot of times it it just there's no possible uh, good result. Like oftentimes a a stalker might stop but then start back up. Yeah. Like too often the end result is like someone's death or a physical attack. It can be, or there's just no closure or resolution, right? Like even if the stalker stops, that doesn't mean that the victim is like, oh, good, I can have my life back. Don't have to worry about that guy anymore. Like the the trust, the security, all of those things that, that most of us just take for granted on a daily basis have been lost, and they're not just immediately regained. No. Because it's like you said, with stalkers, the behavior can dis- be discontinued 
And then it can start back up again out of the blue. And so you never know when they're going to pop back by or it probably freaks you out even more when they stop communicating because what are they doing? Right. What are they up to? Yeah, and even if they get, even if your stalker gets thrown in prison or gets hit by a bus, Mm -hmm. like there can be irreparable psychological damage done to you. Yeah. You may never be able to trust another man or woman again and and have a hard time finding a love relationship that you can trust. Right. You know? And this happens so much more to women. And it's not... I I think these statistics, you can kind of just flush down the john. Yeah. Because so many of it... So much of it goes unreported. Yes, that's a big part of it. And so much of it is stuff that women have just dealt with since, you know, the beginning of time. Right. Like the guy who's a little too handsy or a little too creepy or a little too forward or doesn't take no on a, you know, ask me out for a date. Mm-hmm. Like the grandpa who showed up every day. Right. You know, it's just it's just sad. I mean, I think things are starting to change, but um, as far as stats go, it's hard to even take those seriously sometimes. Yeah. And before these incidences in the early 90s, it was hard to even get cops sometimes to investigate mm-hmm. or like either they didn't have power or they didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1994, the Violence Against Women Act really broadened, um, well, like training, advocacy, counseling, but really like law enforcement, giving them broader powers to investigate and arrest um, was a big deal. And Joe Biden was actually one of the the champions and big supporters of in drafting that. Uh, the Violence Act. Against Women Act? Yeah. Yeah. So part of our national shame from the shutdown is that that law was allowed to expire Yeah. in the um, Stalking Awareness Month, which is January. Yeah, everything about that <laughs> sucked. Yeah. But it, it, it has been signed immediately, like, after, like, that was one of the first things that happened was right. they, they re-upped that act Yeah, uh, as soon as the government went back to work. Which, I mean, it is a big deal that there is, I mean, it's a larger umbrella act, but it does include all sorts of funding for stalking support and resources. Yeah. And as we'll see, if you're being stalked, there's a lot of places for you to turn, but those places need to uh, get federal funding because they're usually pretty small nonprofits that can't float themselves. Yeah, uh, 2018, you want to talk about another feel-good act, the PAWSE Act, um, which had a, you know, this it wasn't just about this, but under that umbrella act, um, it included threats to your pets because that's a big one. People, a lot of times, part of the pattern of stalking is, you know, you come home and you find your animal dead, mm-hmm. fatal attraction. Right. That bunny got boiled. Yep. Um, and not only protecting the pets, but... Um, Grants and funding for shelters to allow you to bring your pet because that's some people rightfully won't leave their pets behind. Yeah, you're not even if they're threatened. Yeah, I mean that's that's a decision you shouldn't have to make. But you're like, I can't go to that that uh, home that can protect me Mm -hmm. because they won't take my dog. Right, and it's not just with um with people who are being stalked. Homeless shelters uh, have the same problems too. There's there's very few homeless shelters that have. Uh, accommodations for pets as well, um, for sure. So one of the other uh, one of the other big laws came in 1996 that Clinton signed in, um, which basically made stalking a federal crime. Yeah, it extended um, protection, like um, restraining orders. Basically, they enjoyed nationwide protection. Like no matter where you were, if you had a restraining order, it was good across the United States. Yeah. Um, if you went to stalk somebody across state lines, it was now a federal crime and the FBI was on you. Yeah. If you used the mail to stalk somebody, 
just sending letters. Sure. It was now a federal crime. So it became a big deal. And we're talking like, seriously, um, 19, uh, 1990, Rebecca mm. Schaefer was That's kind of when it really started. By 94, um, California had the first law. 96, the feds had a law. And I believe um, within a couple of years after that, every state in the union had a, a law. So, no, I'm yeah. sorry. California had a law that same year in 1990. And by 1994, every state in America had an uh, anti-stalking law. It happened like that fast. Yeah. And in 1990, the uh, LAPD actually started the Threat Management Unit, mm-hmm. which was a big deal because now you have an actual unit of dedicated officers that will study behavior and try and determine risk and things like that. Right. Whereas before it was just like, yeah, like we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll send we'll send a couple of our heavy hitter cops over to, to tell them to leave you alone. Yeah, send over uh, Russell Crowe. <laughs> right. Remember LA Confidential? Yeah, oh, yeah. That was a great character. So, Not um, that I advocate for vendettas and like – Extrajudicial, I think, like beating down. But he said it's a great character. It was, it was pretty great sure. in that movie when he would uh, stick up for the abused women and go beat down those mm-hmm. jerks. Yeah, um, that was a good character. I agree. So, Chuck, we kind of, we kind of, kind of defined um, stalking here or there, but let's talk about like what some of the behaviors of that stalkers have. Like there, there are some set things that just about any stalker will engage in. It's basically a pattern of stalking behavior, which is really surprising because when we talk about stalker psychology in a little bit, you'll see there's a lot of different people and a lot of different personality types that engage in stalking. Yeah. But they all kind of tend to do the same stuff. Yeah. And one of the first things that they'll do is just show up where you are. Yeah, showing up. Uh, now, obviously, um, calling and text like texting is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and social media harassment and stuff like that. Right. But, I mean, that falls, I guess, under cyberstalking. It does. So cyberstalking kind of deserves its own episode. Yeah. But it – so it's its own thing where you might just be targeted right. by someone you've never met before and just found you on the internet and they're using the internet exclusively right. to stalk you and harass you and maybe even extort you. Yeah. That's cyberstalking. But also – Using email or, um, you know, location tracking or spyware to stalk under the traditional definition, that's also technically cyberstalking. It's like two things. Yeah, it's scary, though, with all the personal things that people have online now. It's, it's certainly not like the old days. Yeah. People can f- see so much about your life, right. um, even if you think you've protected yourself yeah. in that way. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode on cyberstalking, okay? So there's showing up. There's um, non-consensual communication you kind of hit on, emails, texts, letters it can be. Um, And apparently a lot of stalkers will communicate in ways that they think is totally obvious to Mm. their victim, but their victim has no idea what they're saying. Like some examples I saw in real life were like fingernail clippings, a, a, a stack of Texas Monthly magazines. A rat, a dead rat wrapped in cellophane. What did that stack of magazines? I had no idea what that meant. It was like a it was like a message. No one knows what it meant except oh, for the okay. stalker is the only person that made sense to. Gotcha. But the stalker felt like they were communicating in so their own special way. So they sent someone a stack of magazines. Yeah, or left them okay. outside of their house. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, you don't even have to like, like if you there could be a coworker mm-hmm. that you see every day in the office, and they can stalk you 
at work, even though they're also supposed to be in the same office as you. Right. Like the the line is very fine. They can someone can stop by your desk too much and pay you too many compliments. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that overlaps with harassment too. But like, if you go to your bosses and you're like, "Hey, I, I want to be in a different part of the building because this guy's really giving me the creeps," right? Then he starts showing up over there every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's stalking, right? Absolutely. You know? Yep. Um, there's also threatening family members, friends, anybody that the person cares about. Pets. Uh, making threats, uh, whether explicit or otherwise, um, and all of these combined, they can be separate. They can be. Um, they can be repeating the same one over and over again. They can be a random assortment. There's also very frequently like trespassing, breaking into your house, breaking into your car, mm-hmm. um, just basically getting into your stuff. And then sometimes making it so like you can't tell how they got in there, but you just know they were there. Like right. I read one account of a woman who was being stalked and like she went and unlocked her car and there was a rose on the seat, like the passenger <laughs> seat. And she's like... How did this even get in here? She had no idea how the guy got in there, but yeah. he got in there. So just just knowing that this person is watching you yeah. could could show up wherever you are um, and can get to you is all of these things that combine that make stalking so insidious. Yeah, and it's and like the effect goes beyond just psychological harm of which that's obviously the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. But like financially, you can you can have missed work and lost wages, and mm-hmm. you might have to move. Uh, like, people have picked up and, and moved house oh, at, yeah. at great loss. Changed jobs. Changed jobs at, at uh, you know, s- salary loss. Like, it has, like, a real financial impact as well. Yeah, and you were saying, like, how technology enables people to stalk so so much more easily now. Yeah. Um, that's a big one. Like, if you, especially if you... Um, were uh, already if you had a relationship with your stalker previously right um and they had access to your computer or your mm-hmm. phone most stalking uh, advocate groups say if you can afford it get a new computer get a new phone because yeah. those are compromised and that that's uh, too expensive for a lot of people so there's some tricks and stuff you can deal with or or work with if you can't replace it which we'll get to it's hard to uh <clears throat> research this without feeling a sense of unease for sure. You know. <laughs> and just the injustice of it. Yeah. Like, like consider you just were nothing but but f- passingly friendly to a stranger, and now all of a sudden they're doing all of this to you and disrupting your life like this and robbing you of your security, and you have no idea what they're going to do next. Yeah. That's about as unfair as it gets. Yeah, and uh, I think we'll probably take a break now but, and come back and talk about the different types. But, you know, one of the types specifically is – like the photo mat guy mm-hmm. or, you know, the casual acquaintance, the the bank teller mm-hmm. or or you're the the bank uh, customer and the bank teller is the victim. Right, like right, these, yeah. these short little communications that someone who uh, has mental illness maybe and is prone to this, you get a, a too nice of a have a great day mm-hmm. and a smile. Yeah, oh, I know all what of she's a trying that, to say. Yeah, and that sends them down the road. Yep. Scary, man, because you don't want to like stop being friendly to people. No. Or should we all? I think we should. (laughs) It's the only way to protect ourselves. All right. We're going to take a break, and we're going to talk more specifically about the different types um, of stalkers right after this. (laughs) 
So, Chuck, remember we said, like, California was, like, the first state to really take this seriously? Yeah. Well, L.A. was the first city to take it seriously because at first people thought, oh, my God, celebrities are in trouble. Mm -hmm. And now that we've done more research, we know, like, actually celebrities are the least stalked group. And they're actually the probably the safest of all the stalked groups. Yeah. But initially, L.A. really went whole hog on studying stalking. And that's where we got some of our earliest data and understanding of the stalking mentality. They created the threat management unit with um, some forensic psychiatrists and some security guys. And they, they came up with basically some early stalker profiles. And one of the first things they figured out is you can roughly categorize stalkers into three different pigeonholes, basically. All right. Is, is the first one erotomania? Yes. Right, which is, uh, if you just sound that word out, you probably have a pretty good idea what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, that is someone who feels like, are those the ones who feel like they're in love those with, are the, with the person? Those are the ones who feel, f- Feel like they're in love, but also that the other person loves them. Right. Like Letterman's stalker was an erotomaniac, a person with erotomania. Right. But she also uh, was someone with schizophrenia. Right. Yeah. So all these are comorbid, I guess. There's a lot of overlap with mental illness. But from what I've seen, um, depending on the type of stalking you're engaged in, when uh, when an actual diagnosable mental illness comes into play, Uh the stalking kind of takes a back seat to that diagnosable mental illness. It's it's like it's it's a byproduct of it or a symptom of the mental illness rather than the 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 stalking being the main part. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if she didn't have schizophrenia, she probably wouldn't have been stalking Letterman. Exactly. But it's it's characterized by a deep profound delusion that that the stalker and the celebrity victim who has no idea the stalker exists at least mm-hmm. at first are are basically bound souls that they have their soulmates yeah it's rarely sexual very rarely sexual yeah. it's sometimes it's not even necessarily romantic but it, it's so hyper romantic it it transcends romance it's just complete and utter delusional obsession. That's erotomania. Yeah, and this is the one that I mentioned early on, which I think very interestingly has an inverse proportion of uh, danger. So the the more distant or unattainable the relationship, like this woman and David Letterman, Mm -hmm. or really any any of the celebrity cases, um, the less likely they are to actually injure the victim. Right. And the less likely they are to ever even meet them face-to-face. Right. It's usually, like in Letterman's case, you know, like, I don't think she, he ever met her face-to-face in, no, a, in an incident. No, but I mean, like, she, I'm sure she would have liked to have met him face-to-face. But, um, like, her, his in her case is very much an outlier. Yeah. Although because of the medium, because it's celebrities, we think, like, that's very common. That is extremely rare. First of all, an erotomania stalking situation with a celebrity, but one where the, the person actually tries to physically get in touch with the the victim that's right. pretty rare yeah yeah so erotomania is one and that's also the that's the the smallest group from what i understand right yeah but the most probably press grabby yeah and movie makey yeah movie makey um like de niro's got it cornered <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh love obsessional yeah that's another one uh and that is one that i was talking about with like could be a fleeting acquaintance, could be a coworker. Um, yeah, those are like two types. Yeah, like it's either someone like you work with every day, mm-hmm. or it could be the bank teller. Right. 
or again, you you could be the uh, bank. I saw that the healthcare worker um, is very frequently the victim of love love obsessional yeah. stalking because the um, like the experience of being in the hospital or whatever and having somebody some stranger take care of you. Yeah, it's intimate. It is. They're healing you, so they're very frequently a target of that. But it can be something like a grocery store clerk or a bank teller or something like that. Anybody, um, just this the most fleeting casual acquaintanceship can turn into a full blown stalk. And yeah. in that case, the person who is doing the stalking is aware that the other person isn't in love with them yet. Right. But has seen basically too many rom-coms and believes that, yeah. that if they diligently pursue this person and show up at their work and send them all these unwanted gifts, right. that that the um, the person will eventually, their heart will melt as they see how wonderful they are. Yeah. And um, they will be together forever. The problem is... First of all, it's obnoxious and annoying. Well, and, it's, and al- it's also a real, like, narcissistic personality disorder. Totally. But it can also, once once you reach, people have a breaking point. And if you become obsessed with somebody mm-hmm. and it finally becomes clear to you that they're not going to reciprocate, you already feel like you're entitled to their attention, to their love. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're withholding it from you. Mm-hmm. So that might turn into rage, which is extremely dangerous in a stalking situation. And that's almost every movie, the way it goes down. Yeah. Wasn't there one with like Marky Mark or Donnie? Yeah, fear. Marky, yeah, fear, fear with Reese Witherspoon. Marky Mark or Donnie Mark? <laughs> you know, the Marks. Did you know Reese Witherspoon listens to stuff you should know? Did I know that? I don't know. I Does read, she? I read it somewhere, yeah. Hi, Reese. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. She listens in the car, she said, in some magazine article. Oh, wow. Well, we think you're great. Yes. Come on, Movie Crush. <laughs> and come on into the world. You yeah. could work her in there somehow. I think her son also, she said her son makes, like, music or whatever. He should make, like, jingles for stuff you should know. Oh, yeah. Totally play this. For sure. Um, So, uh, oh, the other interesting thing I thought about the love obsessional uh, is that it says oftentimes they are affluent and well-educated, and they are high-strung professionals. (laughs) Right. Who have no personal life except for this obsession. Right. Basically, Patrick Bateman types who are interested in a relationship. Yep. But who were just like, yeah, this is and th- this this article. This that that was kind of old, but they were basically saying like, <laughs> yeah, they were. I could s- tell when it said uh, they're usually like the next door type, like Olivia Newton John, not like Joan Collins, <laughs> right? And I was like, what years? <laughs> that is really old. I read a, a victim's handbook that was written clearly by a victim who like wrote a book on what to do if you're being stalked. Oh wow! And it was from I think 1999, and she had advice on what to do if like they were blowing up your pager. I was All like, right. this is dated, dated information. <laughs> She's not a Joan Collins type. But but they, they made a really good point, and it's still going on today, that the, the distinction between work and social life is so blurred because everybody works so much that it's right. like— yeah, I mean, the people you spend all your time with are the people at work. So yeah. if you um, are already, as they put it, high-strung, neurotic, narcissist types, right. you may feel entitled to this person's affection or attention. And that, th- so that becomes the coworker stalking situation of love obsessional. Yeah, in the movie version, that's the, uh, well, let's just work late and, like, order some Chinese in the office. And then they have this, like, kind of funny exchange. Candles? And that's in Act 1. And then, you know, Act 2 is all the, hey, this is getting out of hand. And then Act 3 is she rejects rejects him. And then it's it gets 
violent and angry. I would think she'd reject him in Act 2, and then Act 3 is all the, oh, God, and then the resolution. Yeah, I think the end of the first, the first plot point at the end of Act 1 mm-hmm. is probably the rejection. You're right. Okay. And then that would set up the Act 2 action. The building of the, the tension? And then Act 3 is the— Yeah, but something always kicks off Act 3. Like, in, I guess in Cape mm-hmm. Fear, it mm-hmm. was—I uh, think the kickoff to Act 3 might have been them getting out of town and going to Cape Fear. Gotcha. That would be my guess. It's so funny, movies. You can almost—you check your watch next time you're watching a movie, <laughs> right. and everything happens in 30-minute increments yeah. almost. It's yeah. funny. Uh, then the last one, I think, of the three that we were talking about is, um, is this one simple, obsessional? And this is— this is the worst. I mean, they're all bad, but... It's the most typically violent? Yeah, this is like the, someone who you generally had an intimate relationship at some point. Right. And you don't want to be with them anymore. And they harass you and stalk you. And it seems like almost always it ends in violence. Well, no, that's not necessarily true, but it's at the highest risk of all of the types. Like if there's some dude who comes into your bank every day and has a crush on you... He's far less likely to become violent than an But that's ex. not a former intimate, is it? No, that's what I'm saying. That's a yeah. different category. The former intimate is more likely to oh, yeah, yeah, perpetrate yeah. violence, but that doesn't mean that every time it's going to result right. in violence. The, that Granted, though, one of the first tips I've seen for um, stalking like advocacy groups, like their, their lists of stuff you should be doing— mm-hmm. One of the first ones is take yourself seriously. Yeah. Trust your gut and mm-hmm. your instincts. Very frequently, family and friends will just kind of blow off these yeah, all yeah. these signs. If you feel insecure and nervous about it, go with that. Yeah. Like that is – you should take this seriously because it can turn into something um, dangerous for you, and you should treat it that way and take it seriously. Yeah, because I'll say this. If <laughs> – let's say you – me? Quote, un- not you. Okay. Let's say one, quote, unquote, overreacts. Um, fine. That's okay. Sure. Overreact. Right. Do it. Because if this person is not a stalker, it You're would like, be just like, don't whoa, flatter yourself. I'm really sorry. Uh, <laughs> things obviously got out of hand and you'll never hear from me again. Yes. Um, the only person that would really get super ragey about that is probably a stalker. Yeah, no, it's true. You know? It's a good rule of thumb. So err on the side of caution because, um, I mean, a restraining order is one thing. I, I wrote in here they are worthless. They're not worthless. They're worthless in that it doesn't stop anyone from doing anything. Right. But I think the main uh, juice of a restraining order is so you officially have legal precedent right. that this person has done something. Yeah, you're documenting it. Although I did see, I I read a Guardian um, article about a woman who was stalked by like an ex-boyfriend from high school or college or something, and he stalked her for nine years, and um, I think he broke 56 restraining orders over that time. Right. So it's like, yeah, if that's, and then he finally got two years in prison at the end of this nine years after breaking 56 restraining. I'm not sure exactly what he finally did that landed him in prison. Right. But the idea that you can break 56 restraining orders and still not go to prison or jail is, is, it's got to be extremely discouraging for the victims of stalking. Yeah. Here's the, the saddest stat of this whole podcast to me is that, uh, 76% of women, uh, who are murdered uh, by an intimate partner were also stalked by that partner. Yeah. And half of them 
are have been reported as stalkers. So they they half of the murdered women were reported that they were being stalked before they were murdered. Yep. Yeah. So yes, half, you should man. take it seriously. And cops and that's with cops taking it seriously supposedly. Right. Still 50%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's a so we were saying like the um was what's it called the significant not significant other stalker the simple obsessional yeah the simple obsessional one where like you've had a relationship with this person and they didn't basically take the breakup very well you belong to them very frequently if you are a victim of domestic abuse that will turn into that but it that doesn't necessarily jibe with that it can be it can also kind of just come out of a, a what you would call a bad breakup right um but it's still like the same roughly the same but i think if the abuser was already a domestic abuser mm-hmm. the Which chances of, of uh, violence are much greater that's the group that is the greatest at the greatest risk of violence yeah. are domestic abusers turned stalkers yeah it says uh 30% of women who are murdered uh were murdered by boyfriends and husbands right Jeez. And yeah, that that's was, why they always look at the ho- the husband and the boyfriend first. Yeah. I'm surprised 30%. That seems low even, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a 1992 stat, so uh-huh. it's super old, but um, I bet it's somewhere in that wheelhouse now, you know? Yeah. I doubt it's too different. And just real quick, it's, um, you know, this is not just an American issue. There are countries around the world that have stalking um, stalking laws, yeah, anti-stalking laws. I should say it's much easier to list ones that don't have it than the ones that do because just in the last, like, couple decades, countries have really started to take this seriously, which is heartening because it says, oh, okay, good, we value women, the women in our society. Yeah. And we want the, to them to feel protected. Um, there's some that just absolutely don't, like Cyprus, Greece, uh, Namibia, Spain, they don't do have not. anti-stalking laws. Interesting. But for the most part, most countries do. And very frequently, they follow like a, a high-profile murder f- at the hands of a stalker. Mm. Um, Japan started to take it very seriously mm-hmm. since I think like 2000 or 2001. Yeah. Um, Great Britain's like really well aware of its stalking problem. And they have a really high incidence of men being stalked too. Oh, really? And then I read an article that France... Sweden and Luxembourg have the highest rates of stalking. And I was like, that seems a little weird. And then the article pointed out, well, these are these are also probably countries where women feel empowered to report stalking. Right. Whereas some of these other countries that have very like artificially low rates of stalking yeah. in the EU are probably um, countries that are a little more macho uh-huh. and where women feel like the cops are going to just tell them to like feel flattered for the attention. Right, right. Which happens actually, sadly enough. Yeah, still. So our, like, the, like you said originally, like the data and the stats on stalking are, are really hard to come by. Yeah. Um, but it's it's basically a universal thing. Well, and it's hard to come by, too, because uh, not a, everyone can agree on what behaviors even qualify as stalking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one interesting thing that Ed put in here about incompetence. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Not incompetence with a C-E, but... N-T. In, yeah, E-N-T-S. Uh, this is a category of stalker, and this is someone who is so awkward and unaware of social cues and norms that their clumsy attempts at initiating relationships feel like stalking. Right. They might have some sort of cognitive disability or something like that. Sure. Or um, just may not pick up on social cues. Right. 
and not realize that you don't stop by and compliment the lady's dress every day. <laughs> right. Like, don't do it. Right. And the guy's like, what? I'm just being nice. Sure. Or it might be like a, you know. Or he may be a legit stalker. Sure. But I think in that case, he wouldn't be an incompetent. He would be a stalker. Well, right. But that's what I'm saying. The guy who's an incompetent is just like, oh. And then he never speaks to her again. But that's, so that's, that seems to be another whole other class of stalker. There's the incompetent. There's the erotomaniac. There's a love obsessional. And then there's even like subtypes to those larger types, like there's the um, scorned lover. Yeah. There's um, the the uh, the guy who um, is experiencing rage because uh, he's not getting his affection reciprocated. Mm-hmm. There's all these different little subtypes, and all of them, to one degree or another, have some sort of mental illness associated with them. Yeah. But it's not necessarily like diagnosable mental illness. And that's what makes stalking so weird is that a lot of stalkers are otherwise utterly sane. Yeah, like They've sociopathy. Become, sure. That's or narcissism to, yeah. or something like that. But you can diagnose that. Um, and yes, you, you maybe will will study them enough in the future that will be like, oh, well, when you put this, this degree of narcissism with this degree of sociopathy together and um, mix in a little bit of, uh, of an overly critical mother, mm-hmm. you've got a stalker <laughs> situation, right? Yeah. But, but socially speaking, especially um, coworker love obsessionals and um, the uh, simple obsessional ones— mm-hmm. Those very frequently seem to be people who've become obsessed with somebody right. and have become so obsessed with that person, they've lost their their marbles, basically, mm-hmm. in, that, in that respect. In every other respect, they can kind of keep their life together right. until the obsession leads them down a path to where they're full-time stalking yeah. and they, like, will lose their job or whatever or something. Yeah. So we should probably give a few tips um, before we go in case you are being stalked. First and foremost that I've seen is, number one, take it seriously. Yeah. But number two, if you believe you're being stalked or you feel like you're being stalked, like, go find a local stalking advocacy group. They have them yeah. all over the place, and they are experts at what you need to do. Things like um, if you are being stalked by a former intimate, mm-hmm. um, you should assume that your computer and your phone are being spy- are spying on you. Yeah. Um, you want to change the passwords to your accounts. Don't use your computer. Don't use your phone. Go use a computer at a church or a library and then change your passcodes and then don't log in on your phone or computer until you can get a new one. Yeah, you should uh, – from the get-go, you should log all activity Yes. just so you can – when you go to the cops, they're not like, oh, well, this guy just came by your house once. Like, let's just see where this heads. Right. You can hand over a piece of paper that says these 17 things happened in the past four days. Right. Uh so you just have a good log of yeah. activity. You also want to engage in what's called like safety planning where you um, you don't just think about what the stalker just did. You have to think about what your stalker's going to do. And that really kind of gets to the heart of how, again, unfair this is. Well, yeah, because then all of a sudden you're obsessed with trying to figure out yeah. something that's going to happen in the future or may not happen in the future. Yeah. That's like how they ruin your life. Right, exactly. You're constantly thinking about them and where they're going to show up or whatever. But you want to um, tell people at your school, at work, um, at, at at home, like, here's a picture of this person. If they show up, call the police. Mm-hmm. 
Do not give out personal information to yeah. anybody because, again, they might be pretexting. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that you you wouldn't normally think of to where if yeah. you're being stalked, go find a group that that helps people like this. They would probably say, get off social media now. Yeah, that's. I think that's another one. But also, I think it has an effect where, like, not only do you get off social media, you like stop going out because you're afraid they're going to show up. You yeah. stop, so you like you lose contact with friends. You lose your life. You yep. know. So the the a group that I found that I thought was pretty great is called Spark S P A R C Stalking Prevention Awareness and Resource Center. They have a lot of good like starter tips, but they'll tell you just like I did. Go find a local group to help you. Like come up with a safety plan to be safe. Yeah, because the one thing that won't happen there is they won't disregard your fears yep. and not take you seriously. Yeah, And sometimes, especially in those early moments, <clears throat> that's exactly what you need is some support. Yeah. And someone to say, like, you're not crazy. Uh, this might actually be happening to you. Yeah. And then um, to end on kind of a hopeful note, as distasteful as it sounds, there is a, a growing awareness um, that stalkers need, that they're in a weird way victims too, and that they need to be treated, that they need to be pulled out of their this life that they've built for themselves. And basically, over the course of some very intense therapy, Rehabilitated. be brought back to reality yeah. and to p- have pointed out to them what they're doing and just how off their views of this other person are. Because very frequently, stalkers are found to be giving their victims tons of power mm-hmm. that the, the victim doesn't even know they have. Yeah. And um, and when they're reminded, like, no, this person isn't doing this to you. No, they're not getting what you're saying or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, there's, it's starting to look like stalking can be treated and that that's part and parcel with saving a victim is treating the stalker too. Yeah, because sure. Because then the victim can have resolution at some point mm-hmm. without the, the stalker having to die or spend the rest of their life in prison. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's a, that's kind of a growing thing is treating stalkers as well. Yeah. I could see it being something that could be rehabilitated. You would hope. And then hopefully you just don't bump into one another two years later. Yeah, they'd be like, That's oh, awkward this is for so everybody. awkward. Uh, I swear I'm feeling better. And, uh, uh, usually don't shop here. This is just, <laughs> I'm going to just go. <laughs> right. In which case the victim would, what? I don't know, back slowly out of the grocery store? Sure. Yes. And never shop there again. Yeah. So uh, that's it for stalking. If you're being stalked, hang in there and uh, get in touch with us. Let us know how it's going. Since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Hey guys, love the show. Just started listening. Uh, and to my surprise, one of the first episodes I listened to was about the biggest misconception in my industry, thread count. Uh, the softness of bedding, this is from a short stuff. Mm-hmm. The softness of bedding comes down to the quality of the material uh, that's being used, not necessarily how many threads, uh, which I think we we said that, right? This person's just restating everything <laughs> we said. Long staple cotton only makes up 3% of the global cotton production, yet it's best kept uh, it's the best option for bedding. The longer threads provide a smooth surface for sleepers to enjoy. It's also more durable. <laughs> Short staple cotton threads. This is what we said, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the more popular and cheaper option are rougher and scratchier because the shorter threads are tied together throughout the weave of the bedding. In order to get the softest, best performing sheet, a long staple cotton, preferably one that is responsibly sourced as necessary. Anyway, I just wanted to say what you guys already <laughs> said. Thanks for, thanks for being what you are. 
Uh, congratulations on the billion downloads, guys. Oh, nice. There you go. Here's to another billion. That's how you get your email read. And that's from Ed. Thanks, Ed. We're glad you joined us. Um, welcome to the family. That was a baptism by fire. That's right. Uh, if you want to be like Ed and get baptized by Reverend Josh and Reverend Chuck and uh, Cardinal Jerry, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 